Linda? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I just got it in an elevator, though, so I'm probably going to lose you. I'll be back. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Hey, it's Linda. Hey. How are you? I'm good. It's windy outside. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, had a lot of weather these past couple of days. What's up with that? I don't know. Some kind of nor'easter, I hear. What is nor'easter? Uh, because yeah. I've been pretending like I know what people are talking about when they say that, but I actually have no idea. Okay, this is me just kind of. Uh, I have a vague memory. You know the movie The Perfect Storm. Yes. Okay, so in the movie The Perfect Wait, Storm. Wait, who was in that? Was that a Tom Hanks thing? I don't think it was a Tom Hanks thing. I think it was no, another white so. dude. Yeah. Okay, so, all right, Perfect Storm. Anyway, Perfect Storm was about this storm that was a regular storm. You know, I think most weather patterns where we live on the East Coast move west to east. You know, they come uh -huh. across from the, from the Great Lakes in the Midwest, and they, they approach us from that direction. Every once in a while, though, for whatever reason, I don't understand the reason, a storm comes the other direction, down the East Coast from the Northeast, oh. thus earning the name Nor'easter. And the Perfect Storm, Linda is when a nor'easter collides with a regular storm and causes some sort of superstorm. When a nor'easter hits a regular Easter. <laughs> I guess you would call it a wester because it seems to be named after the direction from which it's coming, not the direction it's actually moving. Yeah. Either way, I think that's what it is. I don't actually know. Either way, thrilling. Why does it happen? Probably because we burn too many fossil fuels. When in doubt. Yep, when in doubt, blame it on ourselves are you back home finally after all your travels oh finally yes i am how does it feel to be back back um, in the cradling feels, arms of brooklyn <laughs> it feels really good i um have been really excited to try to get into a routine and like just have you create create something that feels like normal you know i was thinking about normal the other day <laughs> normal seems like such a lie <laughs> It doesn't seem like a thing that ever happens, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's something that we're all, like, aspiring to to have. That's what I'm doing at work. I'm trying to figure out, like, processes that are reliable and that work and that are consistent. And yeah, I trying mean, to just be, like, in a stable relationship. You seem to be doing a good job <laughs> at that. I'm killing it. <laughs> You've got that part down. Yeah. The context I was thinking about it in is, you know, as an adult, I'd like to try and like be responsible with my money and like plan things. And so, you know, yeah. I have I have like a rough sense of like, you know, given my certain income in a year, here's how much I want to save, here's how much I want to put into retirements, here's how much I want to put into these other things, here's how much I'm willing to spend on, you know, frivolous life things because it's important to enjoy life too. But then, you know... <laughs> We're getting married this year, which is, of course, throws all that kind of off pretty significantly. Yeah. And I looked back at the past, like, four or five years of my adult life, which is most of my adult life, and there never really was what you would call a normal year in there where there wasn't something one way or the other throwing <laughs> no, off any, any sense of a budget. It's like, well, what, what is normal, really? What am I, what are we going it's for so here? It's so true. It's amazing that we're all making it, that we're all, 
like just hanging in there. It just feels like the it feels like budgeting is kind of a pipe dream. I, I mean, I've granted, <laughs> my like finances are a little more high variance probably than the average person, considering that I like run my own business and that has a level of risk associated with it. But nonetheless, like not all the variance comes from that. It just seems like you know things change all the time. How can you have yeah. to really stick to like a long term plan? I don't understand how people do it. Exactly. Like I remember doing those budget classes or like we took economics and we had like a budgeting class where we filled out our own little life budget and they always tell you to like leave room for emergencies and that's like the kind of stuff that we're talking about you know it's like oh the all the tires fell off your car or whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's an expense i didn't expect (laughs) but you're like really is there like you're just guessing still. You're just like hoping that life takes only the smallest shit on you that year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, sometimes you're, it's a full on dump. It's just like it hits you one after the next. It really is hard. It's like, I mean, what do you plan for, right? Like, obviously, yeah. you like choose some arbitrary amount. You're like, well, I'll plan for an emergency of this scale. But I guess you decide that saving for an emergency of a larger scale isn't worth the like cost in your like day-to-day quality of life right like like we could all be living we could all be living in like tiny little shitty apartments that are like way cheaper than what we could actually afford we could all be eating you know ramen and soylent for every meal but uh that wouldn't be great i mean sure you save for your for your biggest emergency in that case but then what are you really saving for what how is life worth living if, if that's if that's your situation not me and uh, me and Colin decided to move in together. Well, that's so exciting! What a big life change! And I know, and we're gonna do it uh, in the summer. And we're gonna be. Oh, is that a doggy? Yeah, Sadie's wigging out. Doggy. Sadie, I'm podcasting. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, he's like, "Don't do it! It's a trap." <laughs> you Don't and Colin moving it. in together this summer. That's great. Yeah, congratulations. We're move into his apartment, which is like a little too small for two people. But we're going to make it work because of exactly this conversation that we're having. It's like him and I have both had some years of, whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> didn't quite, didn't plan for this many disasters. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're going to save some money. Well, that's great. I mean, I say that's a big move, but I guess you, because of your uh, your situation with the heat at your other apartment, I know you were living with Colin pretty much a lot yeah. for the past few months, right? <laughs> pretty much. So it's not a huge change in terms of your day-to-day, but it's a big emotional commitment. It's a big, it's a big step. Yeah, like today I bought a little cart for my office, and I had to, like, send him a link to it and be like, hey, I'm going to get the green. Is that cool? Wait, a cart? <laughs> yeah, just like this little uh, this little wheelie cart. It's kind of like a side table, but it has wheels. What are you going to put on your cart, your office cart? Um, like, all my pens and stuff. I went to, <laughs> I went to <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so the card is like, is like your modern version of like a trapper keeper or like a the pencil basically. bag, basically. Yeah, things that I stack vertically next to each other and cups that I bought at Muji. <laughs> <laughs> the, the adult version of a trapper keeper. <laughs> yeah. It'll make me look very organized and cool. That's great. Are you feeling good about it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I feel good about it. Yeah, it is nice to save money. I always said that. I don't don't understand how anybody can live in a city like New York or San Francisco or even like D.C. now without 
you know, having roommates or somebody that you're splitting the rent with. It just seems unsustainable. Yeah, it just makes me cry every month when I write my check. Yeah, writing rent checks was is so hard. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was one of my main motivations for buying a house. Is like I just so loathed having to basically yeah. pay someone else's mortgage every month, which is what I knew I was doing. I was like, man, it's just someone else's mortgage. This this sucks. Yep, exactly. Mm. Oh, I got to walk under a train. There is a train track on my bike ride to work every day, and I would say like maybe one-tenth or one-fifteenth of the days I go under there. A few times a month, there's a train going over the tracks as I'm going under, and I swear it is, like, ruining my ears. It is so <laughs> ungodly loud, like, the screeching. Yeah. That oh. was one of the craziest things that I noticed when I was in Japan, is that uh, you'll walk under a train track as it's, like, actively going over your head, and you can still hold a conversation with somebody while that's happening. And it's also going at 300 miles an hour, probably. Yeah, and you're like, wait, what? How is that so quiet? It's like little things like that that you know about, but you just like, until you experience it, you can't truly appreciate it. You're like, wait, why hasn't America figured this out? (laughs) Good. Why why can't we have the nice things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want a quiet train that goes hush-hush in the night. (laughs) A quiet train that goes hush-hush in the night. Yeah. Hush goes the train. Hush-hush. (sighs) <sighs> so Man. what's new this week? What what happened to you? What happened to me this week? I don't know, I've been uh, I I've mentioned to you previously the uh, the friends of mine that are opening this uh, this game store, this kind of like you know dream oh, shop yeah. of theirs. And I I'm, the thing that was like oh wow that's so amazing that you can pull this off. Well, it just uh, you know I was I, I think I mentioned before that I was skeptical that it was going to work, but uh, the sort of blind confidence that something might work out is kind of the uh the attitude required so many times to start something but uh i did a thing which i rarely 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 do now i'm actually very diligent about not doing this now which is that i like volunteered to like donate some of my like time as a designer to like help them work on signage and some kind of identity for this you know shop which yeah. is like i don't get to do often like, I, most of my work now is on websites and apps and things like that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm doing some work on the sign, and it's fun to do something I don't get to do very often, and uh, I'm happy with the work I'm making. And it occurred to me that, like, I think one of my, like, biggest sources of, of ennui <laughs> about the modern world <laughs> is that yeah. I so love making things for the Internet, but, like, the Internet is... I used to think of a website or an app or something like a, as a creative product the same way that like a, a, an album would be like the creative product of something or, you know, making a great logo or whatever, you know, a, a good poster. I always kind of thought it was an artifact in that same sense when I was younger. Yeah. And what are the Hold is- up. Somebody, sorry, somebody just rollerbladed by me. <laughs> <laughs> and the rollerblades are only three wheels per, per, per boot. Were, and, they, were um, they big wheels? Yeah, really big. I was going to say, because I would love to roll a blade around the city, but Baltimore streets would not accommodate <laughs> a roller blade. I would just get all well, my bones shaking to bits. Yeah, he was just in the bike lane, and he was fucking hauling. Like, he watched the Winter Olympics, and he was like, that can be me in four years. It's so fun to skate fast. It's one of my, like dearest memories from childhood and one of the only good things about the suburbs frankly is that the roads are all perfectly (laughs) evenly paved and there's cul-de-sacs everywhere that you can rapidly rollerblade around totally i couldn't agree more 
Okay, but back to designing apps. Well, I was saying that, so I used to think that it was, you know, like a creative product the same way an album is, and, and, or a movie, or anything. One of the great things about art, in my opinion, is that it's the kind of thing where, like, when you find something that means something to you, like, it can never be taken away, right? Like, you find a new album that you love, and you're, like, you add it to your, your like, personal canon of, like, things that are meaningful to you that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Like, that album, yeah. those sounds uh, are just, like, they're not free in, like, you know, the globalist sense, but, like, once you've got the album, you just, you've got that now, and it, it, it cannot be taken from you. And the same goes for seeing a beautiful piece of, a beautiful painting or, you know, watching a great movie. Like, it's something you get to keep with you forever. Yeah. And, uh, and that is just not, that's not what a website is at all. A website is more like, it's more, it's more, a website is more like Woodstock. Like, like it's in a big event that a bunch of people get to be at, uh, and then eventually it, it ends and goes away. Like, I was thinking about Google Reader. I was thinking about Vine. I still miss Vine. Like, every week oh, I think man, about how much I miss Vine. Oh, man, that's a comparison. Oh, my God. But it's like. That's so crazy. Like, we were working on our product today. We are just working on, like, a page for it. And it really did feel like we're getting together to like figure out our set list or something, you know, like <laughs> it's so much more like that than it is like an actual, you know, creative product, like a, a thing right. you can have forever. And that I hate that. I hate it so much because <laughs> I love making this thing. It's like, oh, here's a here's a, like a typesetting for this physical store that right. as long as this physical store exists, this typesetting will be appropriate and fit them and, you know, they can have it forever. And even if they poof out of existence, I'm still happy with the decisions I made. I can still look at this artifact, you know, 10 years from now and, like, have this have this little tiny, like, package of all of my, yeah. like, thoughts and feelings and, like, work all t neatly wrapped up in a bow. And then you just, you just don't get that on the web. You just don't. And it's like, you know, the good stuff goes away and... You know, yeah. like, I, I feel like Twitter is not actually dead in the same way that Google Reader or like Vine is dead. But like my relationship with Twitter is like totally different now. I just don't I just can't anymore. For a long time, I just couldn't. And now I just I feel distant from it. And I just I've been thinking a lot about that, like impermanence of digital things like that and how they're not forever. They're just like very temporary thing. It's crazy. Today I compared a settings page to the way that uh, I felt when I could set up my own MySpace page. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about that. Who's in your top eight, Linda? <laughs> oh, God. I don't even remember. But <laughs> I definitely don't know them anymore, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, like, fun to, like, set it up and customize it and make it, like, yours. But then that, like, experience went away. Yeah. Forever. And now MySpace is a music thing, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. I can't understand it. Who knows? But I, I kind of like that about the old web, you know? But then again, like, I just walked by a Wes Anderson poster, like a, like a whole wall that had been taken over with, like, his new movie. And, yeah, that's going to have the significance to some kid that, like, the Royal Tenenbaums had to meet when I was, like, 15 and I saw it for the first time, you know? And it's never going to change. <laughs> it's always going to be exactly the same story told. You were so much cooler than me as a kid. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite movie at 15? Oh, my... Oh, God. Uh, I was think... it, like, G.I. Joe, Batman? My favorite movie at 15? What a good <laughs> question. Uh, let me try to think about that. I can, I can say with confidence that... 
a few years later, like my my like senior year of high school, by far my favorite movie that I was you know telling everybody about was Garden State. I was like, oh, you gotta you gotta check out this oh, movie. Oh yeah. Which is such a perfect like <laughs> like suburban baby is gonna go to art school next year movie to like, yep. where it's like it has kind of the trappings of like a you know thoughtful art house film, but it's really just kind of this shallow shallow you know rendition of a of a genre that this person likes but you know i just liked it because it was weird i was like oh yeah it doesn't have like regular movie stuff so you might not like it but i think it's really yeah special. exactly uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, i'm a few years i'm a few years older than you i was in art school at the time and everybody was super into that movie and oh, i was really? embarrassed because i was like a few months behind and seeing it so everyone was like listening to the shins because of that movie and like yeah, by the time I got to art school, it was profoundly uncool to like Garden State, uh, or frankly, a lot of the music associated with Garden State that was kind of vaulted yeah. out of the like deep indie sphere into the prominent indie sphere. Uh, like I, I remember kind of feeling just ashamed that, <laughs> like I was like, "What bands do you like?" And I was like, "Well, maybe you maybe you heard of Nick Drake." And they're like, "Yeah, cool, great. You're like, <laughs> cool. Your nose about your nose about Nick Drake guy. Like, nice." Uh, yeah. I don't know if I had a movie before that that was like the other only other movie I can think of, which I don't think was really meaningful to me at 15, but was meaningful to me before that when I was younger. A movie that my family and I watched a bunch growing up was Major Pain. Did you ever see Major Pain? What? Wait, what is that about? It's a movie with Damon Wayans where he plays this like super yeah, soldier. He's like a. He plays like yeah. a super soldier that gets uh, kicked out of the army specifically because he's killed too many people and he's making the army look bad. He's like too good of a soldier. And they send him to be in charge of the ROTC at this like small school. Uh, and hilarity ensues because he's this like, you know, hard edge super soldier and all these kids are like a motley bad ROTC crew. And it is not a good movie. <laughs> like, I need to emphasize this. It is really not a good movie. But for some reason, like, my family and I saw it. We rented it from Blockbuster, I'm sure. Uh, right yeah, I around... can picture it. I can picture, like, the cover of it only because of, like, always looking at movies on the shelves of Blockbuster and seeing that one and being like, oh, this isn't a movie for me. Yeah, I, I don't think... This is a boy movie. <laughs> well, I, my mom and sister also loved it dearly when we were growing up. It was it was a full family Aww. affair. Uh, but... But yeah, this movie is very bad. But something about what it like hit our family time. something about it hit our family at just just the right just the right angle at the right time, you know, uh, where it just fit. And so I I watched the movie so much growing up. I can probably still quote large large portions of it, uh, and it's very bad. It's not a good movie. <laughs> uh, and there's kind of a big blank space in my in my sort of memory between that and Garden State in terms of movies that were meaningful to me. I can't really pull anything out in that negative space. Though I will say, uh, while we're admitting embarrassing things, uh, movies that hit me at just the right moment in my life, uh, yeah. the, probably the hardest I've ever laughed still to, this, to, to date uh, was like junior year of high school uh, when Borat was released in theaters. And oh, God. Some friends and I went to see it like the night it released. I don't know how we thought this was a thing to do. Like we were not aware, I don't think, of Sasha Baron Cohen and his previous work. Like I saw Borat having Ooh, yeah, no expectations for what it was going to be. I had no idea. And that was just the right age, just the right immature boy age, uh, with like no no expectations that it like ruined me. I was rolling I rolling in the aisle of this theater, because uh, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. I still have 
like that movie has changed our world in so many stupid ways. Has like, it? <laughs> yeah, like I have so many friends who call their wives my wife. Yeah, that's true. It's just okay. like no one's ever gonna say my wife like a normal person again. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of true. Yeah. It's Anyways. weird. I mean, I had the same like love for it though. So. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I, I remember that strikingly also. I like some good things back then too. Like I remember seeing Hot Fuzz in the theaters and liking that also. Oh yeah, That's, that was good. That remains a great movie. Yeah. Would you ever make a movie? Have we talked about this before? I don't think so. Like, do you see yourself as like a creative person who could have applied his creative talents to something like film and have um, been successful? This is a. This is kind of a telling and embarrassing thing to say about myself, maybe. But I'm kind of of the opinion that I and anybody could, like, really do anything they set their minds to. Like, I don't really... Like, <laughs> here's, here's what it comes down to. I think that uh, there are so few people that actually work hard at something and are, like, dedicated to it and care about it that any sort of benefit given to people with, like, a natural predisposition or like talent if you want to call it that to a certain type of thing is like so enormously outweighed by just the fact that most of those people don't work hard or didn't try or you know whatever that I think yeah. that if you actually are able to apply yourself and like try at something that like almost anybody can do pretty much anything uh, because you also don't have to be like the world's greatest movie maker to make a great movie uh, so, so yeah I, I don't I don't think in those terms, like, I don't, I don't, I've never had an idea where I was like, oh, this is an idea that I would make into a movie. Like, I can see how this would be Right. Like, it's not how my but brain so, Okay, but some work. people, but some people try really, really hard and they make major pain. And some people try really, really hard and they make, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Sure. Yeah. So, exactly. like, which, which camp would you fall in? Oh. Well, I mean, I have excellent taste, obviously. Uh, so I, th I think I would either not make a movie because I would be so convinced that nothing that we put together was good enough, uh, or I'd probably make something uh. that was, like, at least to my taste, whether that was, like, good as far as the public was concerned or not. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I would almost make a movie that's, like, intentionally bad just to be like, look, I didn't, ha I didn't even try, huh? Like, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that classic, that classic saving grace. Where, yeah, uh, you pretend to never care about anything. That way, you're you're immortal. No one can touch you. Yeah, no one even care. And that's how what Hot American Summer is made. And, oh, I think they, I think they cared deeply about that movie. Yeah, they probably did. <laughs> they just made it seem like they didn't care. Yeah. Like I would make like Legally Blonde six. I mean, I'd watch it. <laughs> I would, too. I wonder what I would do to a movie like that. <laughs> what I would do to that movie. <laughs> what oh. I would do. What about you? Oh. You uh, you drawn to, to the screen? I am. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Just wish I had a whole bunch of lives like a vampire. Like I could just I feel that try way. on a new All career. The time. All yeah. the time. Uh, I definitely feel like life is too short to do the things I want to do which yeah. is another constant source of ennui. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just wish I could do it all, but I can't. But I also feel Too like vampires dying. must be, vampires must be so jaded by the time they're like 75 that they just don't give a shit anymore. Oh, like I they're not, not going to I would not want to be immortal. Let's be clear. That would be right. a nightmare. 
I just wish that, uh, here, here's what I wish. Uh, I, I've had this idea for like a short story that I've wanted to write for a long time, except I don't write fiction ever, so I'd be very bad at writing a short story. I would have to work like, this is a perfect example. I think I could do it, but I would have to work like 50 times as hard as somebody that writes short right. stories regularly and is practiced at it. Like, I don't think I couldn't do it. It's not like it's impossible. It's just that it would take so much work. The exactly. short story I'm going to write is about a person that somehow discovers they have the ability to manipulate their experience of time such that they can basically, you know, essentially speed up or slow down time. But here's the kicker. Uh -huh. the, the, the rate at which they age does not change. So like, oh, okay. so like if I slow down time, if, if I'm like, oh, I got to cram for this test, uh, I'm going to, you know, basically slow down this last hour of my day before my test to like make it be two weeks long so I can ma make sure I get all this stuff in. I'm two weeks older that next day, right? Like my, my life does not get longer. Yeah. I still experience a normal life. And it, to me, it's Wait, really... wasn't there an Adam Sandler movie like this called like Click or something? Like, didn't he have like a remote that he could... I'm sorry, did I just ruin your... No, I, I've <laughs> talked about this idea before. And people always point out Click and I understand that Click is kind of this thing. Okay, but tell me what's different about well, it. But Click is, Click is more like... Click. I've never it's seen Click. As I understand it, I think Click is more like jokes about how Adam Sandler like pauses time and then like goes and looks at a girl's boobies or something like like this that is, is probably this, exactly is, this is an existential thing <laughs> this is an existential like story about how however you choose to spend your time is like what your life amounts to being and it's yeah. I, I, the way I want to write it would be like this person basically you know is slowing down time you know a bunch because they want to like stretch out the things they perceive to be the good parts of their life uh, and as a result they end up just dying super early and aging faster than they want to and becoming like you know, unable to, you know, losing, keeping, stepping out of pace with their, like, friends and family and, uh, you know, aging you know, prematurely because they are trying to slow down and, like, take this for granted. And then at the last minute, they try and, like, speed through things to, like, you know, see what happens to their kids when they get older and stuff and they miss all these milestones. I don't know. <laughs> it's a similar idea, yes. I like it. But a very different vibe than what I think Adam Sandler was going for with, with the click. Did I ever tell you about my recurring dream of the toy chest in my closet? No. Tell me all about it right now. <laughs> so for a little while when I was, I think I was in middle school when I was having this dream. And I had this old wooden toy chest in my closet. And I would dream. It was one of those dreams where you like, you feel like you just woke up. But you're actually just still asleep. And I would go into the closet. And the toy chest was big enough for me to crawl into. And so I would crawl inside. And just think really, 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 really hard and imagine myself on this other place. And uh, when I would open the lid, I would actually be there. Like, and the place that I ended up was this uh, amazing glass planet that was just hovering in the middle of the universe. And all these other kids would get out of their toy chests and they would be there too. So it was like this adult free, like a, like a Narnia kind of place. Yeah, and but you could just like see the universe around you in this giant ball. And uh, it was just super fun. So you just hang out with these kids and like get to know them and you just play and that was it. But then you would feel like life calling you back and you'd be like, ah, oh, I have to go. And everyone's like, no. So then you go and you get in your toy chest and you're like, oh, I just, I hope, I hope that when I lift the lid, I'm still here and I'm not back in my bed at home. Was this, was every this time, a lucid dream? Like, were you making the conscious decision in the dream to like, I'm going to get in the chest and go to glass world now? 
I feel like it must have been partially lucid because I've been able to lucid dream in the past, but I wasn't totally aware that I was dreaming. Like I was definitely making decisions and like making magical things happening or happen, but it wasn't like I am having a dream and it is time to do fun stuff. (laughs) It was like, this world is real. Oh my God. I, I, I want no to try idea. and figure out lucid dreaming at some point. I, I've read a couple articles about how you can like trick your brain into doing it, which I think maybe we've talked about before. Oh yeah, you should do it. But uh, I'm kind of scared to. It's it's kind of like uh, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like akin to like having a trip or something. Like it can go bad, and then you're just like all all too aware of it. You're in control of how everything is going bad, and it gets real dark real quick. I don't know. Yeah, you that you just never want to wake up because you invent a life for yourself that's so perfect. Mm, yeah, you're describing. You that, that's what I feel like when I play games like Minecraft. I'm like, why would I go back to the real world? In this world, I can <laughs> do whatever I want. I'm a god. <laughs> is Minecraft really good? Oh, Minecraft is it. extremely good, Linda. It's it's good enough that I like have to not let myself play it because <laughs> it just you know wow. takes up. It's like I mean the best way to describe it is like, did you play with Legos as a kid? Was that part of your childhood? Yeah, totally. Okay, so imagine that. You are a Lego person, and you are still playing with Legos, and you can just do whatever you want in this, like, vast, expansive universe. And a huge part of the game is, like, exploring, because it's all generative, so there's no... Every time you, like, see something in the game, some landscape or some canyon or it's some giant waterfall, like, it's yeah. it's unique. Like, the good chances are no one's ever seen that before, because it just... Your, your computer happened to, like, spawn it randomly based on an algorithm. So you're not, like, exploring a map that somebody designed. You're just, like, actually exploring uncharted territory. And you okay. can manipulate anything along the way. It's a really good game. I see. But to get back to your dream, I'm... I always... <laughs> I, I have to... It's interesting to me that so many kids have, like, fantasies about a world with no adults. Which I didn't have as a yeah. kid to my memory. But I don't have a great memory, so, you know... Don't hold me to that. But, <laughs> I remember just like wishing so badly that they would just go away. Like they're ruining life. Like we know how to have all the fun and they're just messing it up. Well, it's funny because like uh, from a kid's perspective, they kind of are ruining life because they're the ones that are like bursting, like slowly bursting the innocence bubble as you like grow up, right? Like yeah. the whole point is adults have no fun. And then and when you're a kid, you're like, it's because they're stinky and boring. And then when you go, you're like, oh no, it's because... They can't have fun because, oh, it's because you have to earn money and you have to do keeping this. Keeping children and, alive is exhausting. Yeah, and it's like a yeah. huge life is not a, life is not fun. Generally speaking, it can be fun, but yeah, it's not the norm. It's not the point of it. Hmm. Not always. Anyways. So when's the move-in date? Oh, not till the summer. So but it's like, like when? Mo- like what time? What what month are we talking about? July. July. Good month. Strong month. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my lease is up then, and it's going to happen. Well, I'm very excited for you. Thank you. I look forward to getting updates along the way about what yeah. you're putting on your Trapper Keeper. I know. As I talk to you about Colin, I'm like, oh, God, I hope we don't break up. Well, I hope so, I hope so too. <laughs> but me talking about it this openly is like, you know, me showing that I don't think it, I don't think it's going to happen like that this time. Well, you know, I hope not. I hope it works out for you. Not to jinx it, but yeah, don't jinx it either. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, is this you signing off? Hmm. Was this you signing off? No, it was me knocking on wood to. Oh, okay. I thought you were just like, well, that's the end of this conversation. Well, I know you said you wanted to keep it to like 30 minutes. We recorded, so I'm trying to be sensitive. Okay, cool. Well, you're the timekeeper. I'm just walking. 
<laughs> well, then let's sign off. Tell Colin I said hello and enjoy the rest of your evening, Linda. Aw, thanks, Andy. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye.